The Fascination of Chemistry. Vaca's Audio Magazine. We welcome you to the first episode of our new podcast. Once a month, we take you on a journey into the exciting world of chemistry. Today, we'll explore prehistoric times and find out how the chemistry of today can help us rescue the past. Dinosaurs continue to fascinate people. Skeletons of these giant prehistoric reptiles are always a popular attraction in museums. However, less attention is paid to the fossils of invertebrates. Many of the smaller artifacts have been banished to remote corners of the museum and spend their days ignored in dusty old display cases. However, Professor Dolph Seilacher wants to rescue these invertebrates from their hiding place. The 83-year-old Professor Seilacher has already spent many years as a professor emeritus at the Tübingen University. However, his field of expertise continues to fascinate him because he's a true scientist at heart. Ever since he was a 10-year-old boy, Dolph Seilacher has been crisscrossing the Swabian Alp hunting for fossils. He visited one quarry after another, hunting for fossilized shellfish and crustaceans. Unlike many of his colleagues, Seilacher chose to focus his efforts on rather mundane fossils, the invertebrates. Shellfish, crustaceans, and worms are among the invertebrates. These creatures never grew to the size of dinosaurs or even mammals. This is probably why they have been ignored by many scientists and most laymen. Seilacher, however, decided to focus on an even narrower field by specializing in paleoecnology. According to the dictionary, the word paleo is Greek for old, and the word ichnos is Greek for footprint or trace. Paleoecnology, therefore, is the study of the tracks left behind by prehistoric creatures, and paleontologists are the people who preserve these footprints. Naturally, every creature leaves behind a large number of tracks and footprints. However, only under the best of circumstances are these preserved for hundreds of thousands of years. Just as with fossilized skeletons, fossilized traces have the best chance of surviving if sedimentation occurs quickly. For example, if the track carved by a worm crawling across the sand is rapidly covered by another material, otherwise the trace is soon lost. Only if this trace is protected by a thick layer of sediment can it survive to the present. So what happens to these traces that are found? The traces provide us with insights into the animal and its environment. By examining footsteps, for example, we can not only estimate the animal's weight, but deduce how it moved, how fast it ran, and even whether it was injured. Other traces, such as burrows, feeding marks, and excrement, are important clues to the animal and its life. For his success in analyzing these traces, Professor Seilacher was awarded the Crawford Prize in 1992. This honor is bestowed by the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, which also awards the Nobel Prize. The Crawford Prize is awarded by the Academy for Research in Fields for which there is no Nobel Prize. Seilacher used a portion of the quarter-million-euro prize money to fulfill a dream, to give others a fascinating look at the objects of his research. Together with his longtime employee, Hans Lugensland, he created an exhibition of fossil art. You can currently marvel at these objects in the Museum of Evolution located in Warsaw's Palace of Culture. It arrived there beginning its journey naturally in Tübingen before traveling to numerous other cities in Europe, Japan, the U.S. and Brazil.
What makes this exhibition so unique is that the scientific artifacts are presented as works of art. They are identified by names such as Trilobite Pirouette and Independence Day. In Zeilacher's opinion, the viewer's eye should first be drawn to each artifact's visual appeal. It is only in the catalog accompanying the exhibition that the visitor can, if desired, learn more about the object's scientific aspects. What kinds of specimens are these? They are casts of fossilized animal tracks. In other words, there are no actual fossils to be seen in the exhibition. These specimens are actually casts of fossils. Most of the casts are large. Some are several meters in size. This makes them as awe-inspiring as a dinosaur skeleton. The delicate structure and other details are, however, more readily apparent here. How are these casts made? Ah, this is where Wacker plays a role. At the site where these were found, museum preparator Hans Lugensland very carefully freed the tracks by clearing them of debris. It was very tedious, painstaking work. He then used silicone rubber to make the mold. In other words, he poured Elastoseal M over the object. At room temperature, the material solidifies into a flexible mat, which can then be easily peeled off the object. This mold, of course, is much easier to transport than the boulders, which can easily weigh up to several metric tons. Back in his tubing and lab, Lugensland then makes casts using these molds. The casts are generally made of acrylic glass and then painted as realistically as possible to represent the original fossil. All this effort to create a work of art? Well, these aren't just artwork. It wasn't until later that Professor Zeilacher saw the creative potential. His original intention was to use the molds as an alternative to transporting the huge blocks of stone from Australia, India, and Africa back to his lab in Tübingen. Of course, the countries in which these fossils were found also didn't want anyone walking off with these treasures. In addition, the sites were often in the desert, a dark cave, or some other inaccessible place. For research purposes, these casts are actually better than their originals, says Lugenslund. After all, the human eye can discern more detail in a positive impression. In the lab, the casts can also be illuminated and examined from all angles for as long as necessary. Visitors to the current fossil art exhibition have the opportunity to admire 40 of these casts. They'll see, for example, the tracks of trilobites, a very common creature long ago. Trilobites are a class belonging to the phylum Arthropod and include over 5,000 genera and more than 15,000 species, all of whom are now extinct. Also fascinating are the sea lilies. Sea lilies? But I thought you said that Professor Zeilacher only dealt with animals. That's right. Sea lilies are only called that because they look somewhat like lilies. In reality, they belong to the animal kingdom. They're like sea anemones, which also look like flowers, but are likewise animals. Both of these creatures gather nourishment by using their arms to capture anything that strays too close. Oh, I see. Now let's take a look at a different kind of creature, one for which it's difficult to tell if it belongs to the animal kingdom, namely the teddy bear. This species is the topic of this month's question. Our question of the month. Do teddy bears stay forever young? Teddies are subjected to a lot of use and abuse. Being continuously squeezed over a period of years is really hard on the materials they're made of. 
When was the last time you heard of our four-legged friends having successful plastic surgery? Most of the time, these favorite stuffed animals are lovingly doctored in someone's playroom. A teddy bear's eternal youth, just as with humans, really does come from within. Teddies and other stuffed animals are padded with fiber fill, making them soft to the touch, the way we like it. Treating this fiberfill with Advalon functional silicon fluids from Vaca gives it a high degree of resilience as well as softness and elasticity. When the teddy bear is smothered with hugs, the fibers are crumpled. The resilience of the fibers allows them to return to their original form when the embrace has ended. You see the same thing with blades of grass that return to their upright position after being trampled. We encounter this resilience in many everyday objects, although we may not even notice this important characteristic. In a shoe, for example, whose cavity should retain its shape even if accidentally squashed. Another place you see this is in mouse pads, whose wrist rest should adapt to any user. The same principle applies to pillows that slowly return to their original shape after use. Our teddy bears, at any rate, benefit from the chemically enhanced resilience of their fiber fill and look perky even after years of deep affection. Well, that concludes this month's excursion into the fascinating world of chemistry. You can find more information online at www.vacher.com slash podcast. We hope you tune in again next month. Vacher. Creating tomorrow's solutions.